Welcome to That's What She Read. I'm Valentina, and today we are having a very special episode. I have the pleasure to have here with me coach extraordinaire Gabriella Muller talking about her book, How to Be a Smart Woman in STEM. So welcome, Gabriella, to the podcast, first of all, and thanks for taking the time to be here with me today. Welcome, Valentina. Thank you for having me, and it's a pleasure to be here. So, as I know that our listeners usually are always rushing around, I want to get straight to the point. <laughs> How to be a smart woman in STEM. How did you come about this specific topic and what made you write a book about it? Which is always fascinating for me to understand the motivation behind uh, the writing of a book. Yes, thank you. I wrote pretty much the book that I would have loved to have in my hands when I started my career in tech. And this is back in the 90s. So back then I realized, wow, we're 37% of women in tech. At that time, it wasn't even an issue not to have women in technology. There, something happened. At the beginning of the 90s, there was something that was really important in the industry of technology and engineering. And that became the commodity to having a computer at home. And so when that shift happened, something interesting shifted also in the industry. We started losing systematically more and more women in tech and engineering to the point today that in so many countries, just like where we are today in Switzerland, Central European countries in 2021, we have anywhere between seven to 15% only of women in engineering, math, technology, science, all these areas that are at the driving seat of defining and designing the future in our world. So for me, it was the motivation. How do we do this? How do we mm -hmm. fix this problem so that in these areas, we have much more female talent, brains, and spirit? Wow, 7 to 50%. Yeah. That's low. That's low. Um, do you think it's because of the type of subject that uh, young girls are studying or do you see that more as an issue popping up in the uh, work environment? I think that there are three sources of the problem. And I think that governments and countries that have tried to only solve one of them have not succeeded and have stagnated. So one of them is the programming and the upbringing that we do with girls worldwide. And I mean, your, your listeners might know, know this about this, but I am Mexican. So I thought at first, well, you know, does it have to do with the culture, with the region, with the latitude in which you grow up? And it turns out it doesn't. We do the programming for girls very early in stages where we say caring, caring for others, areas in which they don't have to necessarily use their analytical skills are prompted to be more girl-like, women-like. Even here in Central Europe, we see it in early stages. Whereas we encourage boys, for example, to be very good at math or creating things, designing the early stages of engineering and, and discovery and experimentation. And we don't do this with our girls. So we do have a pipeline problem already from the beginning of the upbringing stages. Interestingly, we know that girls, for example, age 13, outperform boys in math at that 
it, at that stage in school. However, when you ask wow. them, yeah, it's interesting, right? And when you ask them mm -hmm. right after, they underestimate the skills. If they have a math test, they underestimate how good they did. And boys overestimate how good they do. <laughs> so that, that's already in those stages. That's the first one. So society and education. I think the, the second one, which is very important, this is something where women, we have the possibility to shift this one. And this is why the book came about too, because I concentrate in the book in the things that we, women, can change. And that is mm -hmm. the level of self-confidence, self-worth. The, the risk assessment that we take for chances, the possibility to raise a hand to say, I can, I want, I will, and trust that you are, you are able to do, to attempt. You don't know if you're going to succeed. To attempt and then deal with failure and pick yourself up, dust off and move on if you do fail. So that's the second one. And the third one has to do with policies and the system. I think that there are still systems, especially in tech, engineering, science, corporations, where the system is pretty much designed for and by men without mm -hmm. allowing a lot of room for the different stages of a female professional in those areas. That means, for example, if you are in science and you take a leave for two, two years, to have a baby and to do the nurturing part that a lot of men or women want to do in those early stages, mm -hmm. that means is an almost unfixable gap in your science career. Um, we know that mentoring, sponsoring, a lot of other things that really need to happen, for, for example, in women in technology, for them to succeed and reach the highest stages um, are provided in settings that are not necessarily ideal for, for example, working mothers or women in general. So we know the system needs to be also fixed. It isn't about fixing the women, it is about upgrading the systems. So those are the three things, society, self-confidence in women and policies. Interesting, I, I can definitely relate. Um, as some of the listening might not know, I have a background in STEM, right? So I yeah. I went to a scientific high school. I studied engineering. So I you know I'm full in STEM, <laughs> and I can recall very vividly every single test, especially the math ones, where I'll be asked, "How did you do?" And I'll be like, "Oh, I think I bombed it. I think it went so bad." And then yeah. maybe I scored ninety. 5%. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if it's because we tend to be more perfectionist. So, you know, everything below 100, yeah. uh, we see as, oh, we failed as the boys are more at that age. Everything above 50 is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's perfectionism or if it's um, uh, really linked to the skills. I think, I think, uh, it's, but I yeah. remember that uh, that feeling very vividly yeah it's interesting right you see we underestimate our skills even after we have already outperformed some of the most important competitors also in the market we see that also in the market when we do offers and when we do at the professional level and when we ask for a deal um, I teach a lot of women about negotiation skills and this thing about what you just said perfectionism Brené Brown, Brown mentions and says that perfectionism is fear on high heels. And <laughs> what it means, <laughs> it, yes. it is, is that fear, we want to get it perfectly, flawlessly. 
we're not going to get feedback. We're not going to get criticism. And definitely, we're not going to fail because failure for so many of us is still in technology and engineering and all these areas. It's seen internally or externally as a major issue, even though it is only information. Failure is nothing else, though it's information. That's all we have. Mm-hmm. That's all. And and I think it's interesting. You come from that engineering background. You know what it is to be the only woman in the room. <laughs> I bet. Yep. <laughs> yes, I do. So we touched a bit on this talking about the policies and the system. So what do you think, uh, besides the policies that you already mentioned, it's different in STEM than other areas? Because your book is how about a smart, how to be a, a, a smart woman in STEM. So what are the particularities well, in this field? Well, first of all, the importance of the STEM fields, we see it right now in the middle of a pandemic, who is making the difference? Who is actually getting to solve the global problems in the world, right? Diverse teams. We saw that what happened in one of the major companies in Germany that came up with the solutions that is now giving hope to the world in the shape of a vaccine. Who was that? It was a team. It was a gender balanced team. We need more gender balanced teams in all these areas to define and design the present and the future solutions of these global problems. So this is one. So it is different in the sense that women are outnumbered at all different stages, from the early stages at the university degree to the post postdoctoral degree, the decision makers, professors, everybody who is the, the real thought leader in the area, it are outnumbered women in terms of gender. So it is a very male-dominated environment. Perhaps the only exception is natural sciences. Within sciences, we have a a huge, um, um, diverse uh, options. Though natural sciences, it is an exception. Though all the other areas, areas, for example, that math, math is by far applicable in all the different solutions that we need around the world, in engineering, for example, too. And we, for example, for the book, it was almost mission impossible to try to get female mathematicians to give me input, feedback in all these segments of creating this book and writing the book over the period of time that I did. It took me seven years to gather all the information and and pretty much give it shape and then one and a half years to actually write it and publish it. And in that, mm-hmm. it was almost mission impossible to try to get women in math to, in, in, to do this research. So we need more women. It is different because there are a couple of other things that when a woman, for example, in science, engineering, or tech, it's surrounded by male stakeholders. There is something that is called the brilliance effect, meaning women need to double prove their worth, their value, their opinions. So a lot of the contribution that women do and bring at the table are second-guessed or challenged, often in those areas, simply because they are outnumbered. This is the only woman in the room or because a lot of them don't think that they are so experienced, prepared, or self-confident, self-confident in the way they put it out there in the table. So it is even more challenging in those areas. And women in this Three in these four areas need to be more, much more resilient, focused, determined, stronger, develop a thick skin, 
and and be strategic in their moves. Interesting. Indeed. Yep. Wow. So it takes a very special type of woman <laughs> with a strong, I guess, with a strong mindset. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's interesting what you say. When you say special woman, I think that when people listen to this podcast, they might be a bit like, I'm not so sure if my girl is that special or I'm not so sure if I am that special that I can go into these areas. And this is part of, of the tricky part of solving the problem. It, we shouldn't be looking for very special women, right? We only want women and mm -hmm. girls who are interested in solving problems in making this a better world, which we know we are. We're curious. We want to experiment. We want to follow our instinct too when we figure out solutions. So it shouldn't be that we want special girls or women. At the moment it is because we see that in those working environments, they need to develop special skill, skills to continue thriving. Mm -hmm. In the future, what we would want is any girl age 11, which we know is the age around in which the love for science and tech develops. We would like girls who ages 11 and 13 love math, love creating stuff, love putting things together and can get from the society, their parents and the teachers, the messages that, hey, you are a smart girl. You can go and do anything. You can be an astronaut if you want. You can be an engineer. You can be a scientist. Um, and we want to give these messages to our girls early enough so that they don't feel that they need to be superwoman <laughs> to be um, thriving in those areas, right? Interesting. Indeed, I see that. That would be my ideal yeah. outcome. You know, I have a girl. She's still quite a few years to hit until she hits that, oh, that beautiful. age. And as a, as a woman in STEM myself, I would love to see her being interested in math and science and um, yeah. you know, any, any career path that she chooses. Not to say that if she ends up liking um, the... Uh, history and literature yeah. and more, or more a more artistic endeavor, I would be disappointed. I just wish that the decision would come from what she really loves inside yeah. and not out of fear of certain fields not being for her, if you e understand Exactly. I, mean. I totally see that. We want to empower our girls and our boys. In my end, for example, I've got two boys, mm -hmm. right? And one of them mm -hmm. loves, simply loves cooking and taking care of others and playing with kids and creating stuff. Not the type of things that, you know, the other, my other boy gets that he's a, very, a mathematician. So they're older than yours. Mm -hmm. And one of them totally went for math. And the other one is going for humans, uh, human, uh, human and social sciences. And he's getting those messages of, oh, you're going to those girly areas which is interesting, right? We do it also to boys on the other side. We disempower them to say, yes. if you are not going for engineering and medicine, math, one of those, then what are you doing? And, and I think that that's unfair to both of them, right? Whether they like one or the other, they should have all the doors open. One interesting piece of data though, is that there are two or three areas in the world in which They have high numbers, and when I say high numbers, anywhere between 30 to 40% of women in technology and engineering. And it's interesting in that when I wrote the book and I was 
doing the research on the numbers worldwide, Southeast Asia, Eastern Europe, and some parts of Latin America, interestingly, have the highest numbers of women in technology and engineering. Isn't it interesting? <laughs> yes. So I decided to, to research a little bit about why is that? And, and I went back to my early years. How did I come to technology myself? One of the biggest motivations I need to say too is the fact that in STEM fields, there are the highest salaries that we can possibly find for women in the world. So there is a benefit on also financial benefit when it comes to especially technology and engineering. The numbers don't lie. And so in terms of income, the, these areas guarantee also in a way, a higher return of investment of education. Um, so now what the, the, the question raises, does the economical situation impact the decision, a career decision in women in the world? And I think there is good data to suggest that it does. Though it's interesting mm -hmm. to see in Central Europe, we have some of the lowest, lowest numbers of women in tech and engineering. Interestingly, high in terms of um, situation and financial situation and, um, and, and income level for families, right? So mm -hmm. it's, it has to be, it, there, is a, there is a connection there. Uh, something to think about in, and I think explore when we all want to make sure that there are more women in these fields. Really interesting. So to round up our discussion, mm -hmm. I'm wondering what would be, let's say three tips that you would give to leaders in STEM. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I'm saying leaders because I want to be sure that we are inclusive and provide some really good tips for men yeah. and women. As I know, I have listeners from both sides um, and, and genders. Yeah. And so what could they do to make the environment more inclusive and, and succeed and get the benefits of uh, more creativity and more innovation, as you were mentioning? Oh, well, I, there are so many tips out of the book. And today, this morning, I was, I have to choose some golden nuggets here for you. Let's mm -hmm. go, let's go. I'm going to suggest one strategic one for each gender and one very tactical one that anybody could use in a meeting, right? So the strategic one, if you are a man listening to this podcast, the word is ally. You can become an ally of any woman who's trying to thrive and succeed in these areas for two reasons. One is because it's the right thing to do because of numbers, statistics, and the business cases there. And two, it's because it's proven when women succeed, everybody wins, including higher profits, better results, and outperforming competition. So for your own benefit, it is important to become an ally for women. How do you do this? By sponsoring, mentoring, or endorsing them. Sponsoring is really just dropping the number of a woman who you trust her work and her worth in a place and setting that she's not around. When you drop the name, when you drop the name and you suggest, hey, I think Rebecca is doing a great job here. Um, I really believe in her experience. She's not in the room. And sometimes you are the only person who's there because you have access to certain networks and circles, become an ally by endorsing them 
by sponsoring them, by mentoring them. So that's one of them, one of them for men. The other one that is very tactical is when you hear women being interrupted in a ratio of two, uh, this is two to one in a meeting, um, I think it's an important moment for a man like you, you are an ally, to recall the conversation and to stop and say, oh yeah, I, I'd like to hear that. And let me, let's go back to Rebecca because I didn't get exactly what she was saying or we didn't finish her I, listening to her idea. Making sure that when those interruptions that happen and it's proven they happen all the time, you can be the one tactically interrupting them. So that's that's one one strategic, one tactical for men. They have the power to do that too. And for women, the strategic one is make sure that you know what you want in your career. You are the one driving the car of your career. Nobody is, not your boss, not your peers, not even your mentor. You are the one behind the steering wheel. So as such, imagine that you you have your GPS of your career and you're gonna say, where do you wanna go? What's your destination? And I think that the more and more I coach women around the world, now in over 80 countries, we start always from where do you want to go? Be strategic, be ambitious, think big. And if that direction where you want to go doesn't make you feel even a little nervous, you are still playing safe. You are still thinking small. So I'm, I'm always asking women to think big, be strategic. Where do you want to go and draw your map? And tactically, use the word strategy in all the different flavors of it. <laughs> strategic strategical strategy as much as possible you want you don't want to overuse it nonsense you still want to use it in meetings on your email during meetings presentations online conferences use the word strategy on all the different flavors studies have proven that when women do this which means we are strategic contributors when you articulate it more and more guess what after a couple of months you are seen of course voila as an strategic contributor, which links and adds value to the business. So don't shy away from using those tips and tricks. Wow. Really interesting about the use of strategy and strategic. I'm going to go back and check how often I've been using it. <laughs> to be honest, it's a very practical application of the tip. I'll let our listener know um, in a couple of months after increasing what the change has been. Exactly. Please do. Um, Play with the word. It really pays off. So I'll try it. I'm sure it will. So thank you very much, Gabriella, for uh, being with me here today. Thank um, you, Valentina. And you're welcome. And again, how to be a smart woman in STEM. I read it. I can recommend it to everyone. In STEM or not, some of the tips are universal. Actually, I would say all of the tips are universal, Um, even though they might be with example tailored to STEM. And even if you are not in STEM, it's always good to understand what your stakeholder, your partner, the people around you in the company, in those departments are going through and the situation they're living. So I highly recommend that you pick it up and read the book thank you if you well you're welcome I loved it I mean honestly it's um, highlighted 
for a good percentage, <laughs> I have to say, my, my copy. Um, if you want to know more about where to find the book or how to reach out to Gabriela, look at the podcast notes. Um, the links and the contacts are all in there. And I hope you enjoyed today's episodes. I'll talk to you in two weeks.